Good to have you here. I know we've got a lot of folks that are traveling around for uh, the 4th of July, but it's nice to have you folks here. I, I did hear from the Jacobs that they arrived at their location, and they will be departing later on today. Did she uh, requisition any of you folks to get your cell phones going here? Well, I know she was trying. <laughs> We're going to be over in the book of Jeremiah today looking at the testing the spirits to make sure that what we hear is of God. We spent almost a year looking at authority, how to be under authority, how to operate in authority, things of, of that nature. But I wanted to go back and just visit is of God. In 1 John 4 and verse 1, it said, Believed, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And the biggest thing to take when you heard what you're supposed to hear. But he says, test the spirits. And we are not, to, this is where a lot of Christians fall off, is they test the validity or the truth of a matter. False. What we are told to test is, is it of God? Because if a thing is of God, it is true, whether you know it or not. And there's a whole lot of truth that you and I don't know yet. So I can't tell if it's truth or not. How do we test the thing to make sure that what I heard in the Spirit is of God? If you don't, it messes you up even in the realm of authority. Because a lot of times we see God as the, the overall authority, which we should, but hearing in authorities that we're under. And if we did not hear from God, then it messes us up in authority. We spend some time looking at can Work your way over to Jeremiah chapter 1. Last week when we were looking at this, we looked at James chapter 3, verse 13. I'm just going to read this for you. I'll put it up on the screen if you want to take a look at it too. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his, his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. And so we spent a good bit of time last week looking at several stories in the Word of God where when self-seeking came in, where envy came in, what was clear was made cloudy. First example we looked at was Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had a clear directive from God, right? What was it? Eat from all the trees of the, of the, of the garden except for the tree in the midst of the garden. He said, don't eat from it. That's pretty clear, isn't it? It's pretty simple. But it got cloudy for them because the devil came in, has God really said? And he clouded it up by getting them to become envious of something they did not have. God knows in the day that you eat of it, you will know both good and evil and become like God. Oh, well, we don't know both good and evil. We just know good. We, we should get that. As soon as envy comes in, as soon as self-seeking come in, it clouds up what we know and makes what is clear uncertain. And then we're not sure, did God really say this? Is this really what God was telling us to do? Over in Jeremiah chapter 1, we're going to look at the call of Jeremiah. I thought Jeremiah would be a good one for us because we're, we're looking at a lot of Jeremiah on Wednesday nights. 
And we're seeing some things that are going on because he's very much involved with the last kings. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, the priest who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the ter- 13th year of his reign. Now, if you're Jeremiah and you get to start ministry under the kingship of Josiah, how many of you know that's a pretty good thing? <laughs> to be a prophet under the day, in the days of Josiah, this is good. This is good. This is a guy who wants to hear from God, is listening to God, turning to people around the God. This is a good time to become a prophet. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Now, if you've been out here on Wednesday nights, you know that after Josiah, things didn't go well. Things went pretty poorly. And under Jehoiakim, he's probably one of the worst. And he took some of the things that Jeremiah wrote, and as soon as he had them read, he took a knife, cut them off, and threw them in the fire. The words of God threw them in the fire. I've told the folks this past Wednesday, I didn't tell, if you were here on Wednesday nights, I didn't tell you all the bad stuff that he did because some of it is not fit for church. It is as bad as you can imagine. It's worse. What we know that this guy did. Not what we suppose, what we know this guy did. It was bad. But he continues to, to minister throughout these guys. Verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, I formed you in the womb. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So before he was even born on the earth, he was ordained to be a prophet to who? The nations, not just Israel, not just Judah. Well, actually, Israel is gone at this point, but not just the southern kingdom. He says the nations. And if you read his prophecies, he does have a lot to say to the other nations as well. He gets a lot of words for them. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. I cannot speak, for I am a youth. How many of you all know that it's really easy to come up with excuses to not do what God has said to do? Uh, I can't speak. I'm just a young guy. He is around, uh, I've, I've seen it estimated, he's around 17 years old when he gets the call from God. He says, I'm, I'm just a youth. I can't speak well. To whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Now, he's not saying that you should not go around and confess that you are young. Or that you're being young is, is... How many of you, you know, you're getting into 40s, 50s, and I'm, I feel young. He's not saying don't say that. He's not saying anything like... What he's saying is, you're taking your youth as a negative, so therefore, don't be saying that. <clears throat> don't disqualify yourself for something I have qualified you to do. So, he says, don't you say that anymore. Do not say, I am a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Now, real interesting phrase here. For those who are here on Wednesday night, this will probably kick in a little bit more. But he says, do not be afraid of their faces. One of the things we saw on Wednesday is that Jeremiah 
got held up in an area of protection and uh, didn't come out as much. Now, he eventually got past that and he came on back out. But he says, don't be afraid of their faces. Because at one point, he wrote down the prophecy. He gave it to somebody. That person delivered to somebody else. And then that person delivered to the king. He didn't, he didn't go there directly. In the end, he'll, he gets back to being in their faces. But when people keep abusing you, it's really easy to become afraid of their faces. He says, don't become afraid of their faces. Don't be afraid to stand there with them. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Can you imagine this? The Lord comes up to you, stretches out his hand, and he touches your mouth. And he says, Now... I have put my words in your mouth. How many of you that would have an impact? That would have an impact? Would that, would that alter the rest of your life? It surely would. I understand this. Brother Hagen shared this with us when we were in school. And it's uh, one of many things I have never forgotten him to, uh, to have told us. But he said, the more, uh, the, the stronger the revelation the greater the opposition. And he would tell us after that, he explained that. He said, I love it when God just speaks to me in a still, small voice. When I get a vision, when I get something more substantial, God speaks to me verbally. He says, the opposition to it is incredible. He said, when God just speaks to me in a still, small voice, he said, I get excited. Because this is going to be easier than a lot of the other things that I've had to do. But no matter what, it will be a step of faith for you. So imagine this, Jeremiah, God has touched his lips and said, I have put my words in your mouth. And Jeremiah is going to go through so much that it will be a test of faith for him to hold on to it. That's going back to he says, Do not say I am a youth. Do not say that I am for that I am a youth. For I sh- for you shall go to all whom I send you. Don't you worry about your age. Whoever I send you to, you're going to go to. And whatever I command you, you will speak. He says, Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you. Let's go on to verse 11. Well, before that, I wanted to give you this part. This is uh, some uh, sort of a condensed thing of what we've been doing the last couple of weeks and what we'll be doing in here today. And I didn't write these out for you, but uh, I actually got the acronym before I had all the other things put together for this. I had to actually stick it. Okay, how does this one fit? Um, but it, it will help you to remember this. SPCA. How many of y'all know those letters? Yeah, they've done a good job marketing those letters and we know them pretty well. When we get a word from God, there are some things that we do with it. One of the things, and not necessarily in any order, just in the SPCA to help you remember it. We'll go through this. Is what you heard sustainable? When we hear something from God, one of the things that will come up in us to help cloud that up and make that murky 
and muddy. One of the things that will come up is, is what God told you to do sustainable? Can you keep this going? Now, we do this all the time. How many of you have ever picked up a diet, whether it was a diet to just change what you're eating or a diet to cut down what you're eating or a diet to increase what you're eating, whatever it might be. When we have that diet, how many of you begin to think one of the first things you begin to think about is, can I keep that going for more than a day? Can I keep that going for, for two days, for three days? I mean, if I'm in this for a week or two, what, what am I going to feel like? How am I going to like this? So we look at the sustainability of the thing. And when God says to us to do a certain thing, to go a certain way, we, do we evaluate, how long can I keep that going? Now, if God told me to do it, how long can I keep it going? As long as I choose to stay on His side. But we begin to think, ah, you, you, I don't know if you can keep that going. And things come up when He's, I don't think the, you know, God's asking a lot from you. Is it sustainable? And as we're going through, following the call, doing the thing that God said, things will come up to make it seem like, I can't keep this up. I can't keep going. Is what you heard sustainable? Here's the second one. Is what you heard powerful? Will what God told you to do actually do anything? Is there power to it? All right, God said it. Now, don't give me this spiritual thing. Well, whatever God says, I know there's power behind it. Hogwash. If you really thought that, you'd do it every time. One of the things we wonder about is, is there any power to this? Or is there enough power to overcome what I am up against? Is it powerful? Is there something to this? Now, if you have a health issue and God speaks to you down in your spirit, quit eating this. What's one of the things we, we begin to think? Well, does that really have any effect? Remember Naaman. Go and wash in the Jordan. What's his problem? Is that actually going to do anything? Is there... Is there really any power to this? I mean, go wash. I thought he'd come out, wave his hands. Yeah, but something easy that makes sense. Go wash and be clean. Is it powerful? Is there something to what God said to do? Will it actually make an effect? And even if you start, the enemy comes up and begins to tell you, that's not having any effect. That's not doing you any good. You're in the same boat you were before. Things are going the same way. And we begin to doubt its power. And what God said clearly now becomes cloudy. Is it sustainable? Is it powerful? Here's the last one. Is it credible to others? Because we are impacted by what others think and what others say. Is it credible to others? The woman with the issue of blood heard about Jesus. It came up on the inside of her and she said with her mouth, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be whole. How do you think that worked with the people that were around her? It didn't hold a whole lot of credibility with them. What if you were to go to people 
And you say, God told me to do this. God told you? God told you to do that? I heard somebody recently, I've heard them say it before, but I said uh, there was a minister was talking about all the things that God had told him to do, and somebody in the congregation said, I get a little leery of these people. Think that God talks to them. And he replied to him, he says, I get a little, little leery about people who God doesn't. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, isn't it? See, sometimes we're, we're looking at this, well, all right, I, I can believe this, but if, if anybody asks me and I say something about this and other people hear this, what are they going to think? What are they going to say to me? Is it credible to others? And if it's not, in our minds, it will impact us and we'll muddy the waters. We'll make it cloudy. Is it sustainable? Is it powerful? Is it credible? And here's the last one. Is it authentic? Now, this is the way I saw this thing being laid out. How many of y'all familiar with uh, uh, bowling pins? I saw this as four bowling pins with one in the center and three on the outside. Four bowling pins total. If you put sustainable, powerful, and credible as names on all the bowling pins on the outside and left the one that said authentic on the inside. And if you go up to those bowling pins and if you push the bowling pin from any, uh, any of the ones inside... You will knock them all down. If the enemy is able to get you to doubt the sustainability, he will eventually knock everything down, including the authenticity. If he can get in on the area of being credible to others, if he can get in on the area of, is this really powerful? If he can knock that down, it will have an effect on the others and it will knock all of them down, including the authenticity. Because once you knock out the authenticity of a word from God, everything else falls. And that's all the devil wants to try and do. If I can get you to believe this was not from God, you will let it all go. Verse 11. That's the call that Jeremiah had. Let's go on and see what else he has here. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well. <laughs> really? <laughs> I saw a branch of an almond tree. I called it a branch of an almond tree. And God said, that was great. Good job. Way to go. That's exactly what you were supposed to see. <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed kind of funny to me. You have seen well, for I am ready to, perf to perform my word. And the word of the Lord came to me the second time, saying, What else do you see? Now, how many of you envision the word of the Lord being a little more involved than this? What do you see? Do you think the word of the Lord could come to you and say, What do you see? What do you hear? That's what he did for, for Jeremiah. And I said, I see a boiling pot, and it is facing away from the north. And the Lord said to me, 
out of the north calamity shall break forth on all inhabitants of the land. Now that was more involved than what he saw before. I saw an almond tree branch. This one, he says, I see a boiling pot and it's facing away from the north. If you're going to put that, well done, that was, that was good. I would put it there with that one, but that's not what God did. That's why I'm not God. One of the reasons. <laughs> then the Lord said to me, Out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north, says the Lord. They shall come and each one set his throne at the entrance of the gate of Jerusalem against all the walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. I will utter my judgments against them concerning all their wickedness because they have forsaken me, burned incense to the gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. Therefore, prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces. There's that word again. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. So God gives him words that he will speak, and they are words of judgment for their wickedness. But he says here in verse 17, Therefore, prepare yourself and arise. There's a whole lot of times, folks, we get something from God. We do not prepare ourselves. We just arise. He says, prepare yourself and arise. What is he to prepare himself for? When you bring the word of God against anything, that thing will come against you. Whatever it is. People, the enemy, disease, sickness, whatever you bring the word of God against, it's going to rise up again against you. But he says, don't be dismayed. I'm with you. Verse 18. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, and against the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. So he's promising them, you will have stuff come against you. Now, this is not in your outline, but uh, put up on the screen. Mark chapter 4, verse 14. Mark chapter 4, verse 14. This is a familiar story. All of you know this probably almost by heart. When Jesus comes and the disciples say, tell us about the parable that you said. We don't quite understand it. Tell us about this thing. And he says to them, the sower sows the word. What is the word? comes from God. It's the word of God. The sower sows the word. He then goes on. Look what the enemy does. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Satan hates the word. He does not want it to be in your hearts. He does not want you to act on it. He does not want it to grow. Whenever the word of God is sown in your life, in your heart, whenever, however, as soon as it is sown, the enemy comes to take it. And if he can't get it right off the bat, then the parable goes on and it tells us that he'll do it this way. And if it won't work that way, then I'll try it this way. And if it won't work that way, then it grows and it flourishes. He doesn't have a whole lot of ways he can come against you. 
Got some, but not a whole lot. Chapter 37 of Jeremiah, verse 11. And it happened when the army of the Chaldeans left the siege of Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army. He had already prophesied and said, the Chaldeans are going to leave, but they will be back. And at this point, we're, we're going through a big battle between the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, and the Egyptians for who's going to be the supreme power. Pharaoh will lose. And then the Chaldeans will come back to Jerusalem. And it happened when the army of the Chaldeans left the siege of Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army that Jeremiah went out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to claim his property there among the people. If you're not familiar with Jeremiah, God gave him a word. Jeremiah, I want you to go and I want you to buy a piece of property. I want you to, to do it all the right things. I want you to get the seal. I want you to have witnesses. I want you to do all this stuff and then put the documents into clay pots and store them away so that they will be around forever. That's what I want you to do. Now, can you imagine you're given a word of prophecy that says the Babylonians are coming and they're going to destroy this place and then you go out and buy property. But God had an object lesson, something he wanted to do. So after he bought the property... He then uh, went out to see it because the Chaldeans had gone away and somebody accused him. And he was in the gate of Benjamin. A captain of the guard was there whose name was Irja, the son of Shalaiah, the son of Hananiah. And he seized Jeremiah the prophet saying, you are defecting to the Chaldeans. Does he have any proof? There's no proof. We don't need proof. Then Jeremiah said, false, I am not defecting to the Chaldeans, but he did not listen to him. So Erija seized Jeremiah and brought him to the princes. He's got false accusations. Do we have false accusations today? People making false claims. Therefore, the princes were angry with Jeremiah and they struck him. They were angry with this guy who keeps prophesying bad things about their land and about their actions and so forth. And I don't always get the idea here that these are gentlemen and they take their white gloves off and they fold them up so and they slap him on the face. With the, no, they struck, they went after this guy. This guy, Jeremiah was bloodied. He was hurt by this thing. They struck him and put him in prison in the house of Jonathan described for they made that the prison. When Jeremiah entered the dungeon and the cells and Jeremiah had remained there many days. Then Zedekiah the king, this is the guy we get to delve into on Wednesday. Then Zedekiah, the king, sent and took him out. And the king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, There is. So he's in this deep, dark prison and he's still getting the word from God. You shall be delivered into the hands of the king of Babylon. Moreover, Jeremiah said to King Zedekiah, What offense have I committed against you, against your servants or against this people that you have put me in prison? Now, I'm sure Zedekiah was looking for something a little more elaborate. He's heard this word before. And uh, Chaldeans had left. He doesn't want to necessarily want to hear this again. He's hoping that God has changed his mind and that maybe God would say, all right, well, I've relented. But God doesn't do that. So after he gives him the word, he says, uh, what offense have I committed against you and against your servants or against this people that you have put me in prison? Where now are your prophets who prophesied to you, saying the king of Babylon will not come against you or against this land? Therefore, please hear me here now, O my lord the king. Please let my petition be accepted before you, and do not make 
me return to the house of Jonathan the scribe, lest I die there. We're talking about a prison that was so bad that Jeremiah said, if you put me back in there, I will die. Then Zedekiah the king commanded they should commit Jeremiah to the court of the prison. They should give him daily a piece of bread from the baker's street until all the bread in the city was gone. Thus Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. So he gets one piece of bread every day. Glory to God. How many of you feel blessed? But he doesn't have to go back into that prison that he thought he was going to die in. Down in uh, chapter 38, verse 1. Now, Shephatiah, the son of Matan, Gedaliah, the son of Pashur, and Jukal, the son of Shalamiah, and Pashur, the son of Malchiah, heard the words of Jeremiah, had spoken to all the people, saying, The Lord says, Thus says the Lord, He who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine and by pestilence. But he who goes over to the Chaldeans shall live. His life shall be as a prize to him, and he shall live. Thus says the Lord, The city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Therefore the princes said to the king, Please let this man be put to death, for thus he weakens the hands of the men of war who remain in this city and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man does not seek the welfare of this people, but their harm. Now, could you see this making sense? If you're trying to fight off the Chaldeans, telling the people in the city, it's not going to work, and if you don't surrender now, you're going to die. You ought to just surrender and go over to the other side. If you do, you'll live. They got a little upset at this. They want to kill him. They want to kill him for all kinds of reasons, but here's another reason. Verse 5, Then Zedekiah the king said, Look, he is in your hand, for the king can do nothing against you. Does that sound kind of funny? He's the king. I can't stop you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the king's son, who was in the court of the prison. And they let Jeremiah down with ropes. And in the dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sank into the mire. So this is, get this idea here, folks. This is not a dungeon where you open up the door, put the guy inside, close the door and lock it. This is a dungeon that is a pit. And the only way down is not stairs or ladders. You tie him onto a rope and you lower him down. And when he gets down there, it's just what they call a mire, just muddy muck. And as you stand on it, you begin to sink into the mud. And you sink more. And you sink more, and you sink more, and you just keep sinking down into the mud. They don't give you water. They don't give you food. You can't drink what water is there because it's all mixed with the mud. And you stay there all day and all night. Now, it's down low. It's, it's going to be cool. It's not going to be warm. And you're wet. And you're hungry. And you're thirsty. Now try and sleep in that condition. Try and give your body rest. How many of you, if you were Jeremiah, feel delivered? If you're Jeremiah, how many of you feel that God has shown up? You get a little discouraged. How many of you, if you were in this situation, could be thinking... Did I really hear from God? Did I really see God? I mean, if God really did that, wouldn't it be different? Wouldn't it be better than this? Wouldn't there be some results? 
Jeremiah had some results under Josiah, but after that, folks, he had no results. The nation didn't turn. The nation didn't repent. Everybody got mad at him. He went hiding for a little while and just sent the words out in paper. But then he finally came back and he presented himself before people and he was beaten, thrown in prison, threatened. Verse 7, Now Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs, who was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon. He's not even one of the sons of Judah. When the king was sitting at the gate of Benjamin, Ebed-Melech went out of the king's house and he spoke to the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon. And he is likely to die from hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, saying, Take from here thirty men with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took from their old clothes and old rags and let them down by ropes into the dungeon to Jeremiah. Then Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian said to Jeremiah, Please, put on these old clothes and rags under your armpits, under the ropes. And Jeremiah did so. So they pulled Jeremiah up with ropes, lifted him out of the dungeon, and Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. Now, i give you a picture of this. They knew what to expect. They knew what happens to people that go into this dungeon. And so when the king said, go get people out, he knew you can't just send one or two. He said, send 30 men to pull him up. Now, the force of 30 people pulling you up can do damage to your body. So they send down the rags for, them, for him to put under his arms so that it cushions him, not so it stops the pain. This is going to hurt. It's so that it lessens it and makes it tolerable. So he has his rope underneath his armpits with the, the rags there as a cushion. And they begin to pull. 30 men begin to pull on that rope to get him to come up out of that mire, out of that muck, because he has sunk in that deep. And they pull, and they pull, and they pull. How you doing, Jeremiah? Give me a break for a minute. All right, let's, let's do some more. How long it took, it doesn't tell us. But it took a while to get him to get pulled out of that muck. How many of you are excited about ministry? How many of you want God to come down and touch your lips? Then Zedekiah the king sent and had Jeremiah the prophet brought to him at the third entrance of the house of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you something. Hide nothing from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I declare to you, will you not surely put me to death? And if I give you advice, will you not listen to me? Now this is the same king who didn't stop the people from throwing him into this pit which they intended for him to die in. Maybe he also gave the word for the 30 to be issued to, to, to bring him over. This guy seems to have no background or backbone. I mean, if you come to him and say, we want to kill this guy, oh, I can't stop you. You come to him and say, we want to save this guy, all right, here you go. I mean, what's he say no to? 
So he says, I want to ask you a question. And he says, well, if I declare it to you, will you not surely put me to death? And if I give you advice, you will not listen to me. So why should I speak? So Zedekiah the king swore secretly to Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord lives, who made our very souls, I will not put you to death, nor will I give you into the hand of those men who seek your life. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of the host, the God of Israel, If you surely surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then your soul shall live. This city shall not be burned with fire, and you and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the king of the Babylonian princes, then this city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and you shall not escape from their hand. And Zedekiah the king said to Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews who have defected to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hand, and they abuse me. But Jeremiah said, They shall not deliver you. Please obey the voice of the Lord, which I speak to you, so it shall be well with you, and your soul shall live. But if you refuse to surrender... This is the word that the Lord has shown me. Now behold, all the women who are left in the king of the Judah's house shall be surrendered to the king of Babylon's princes. And those women shall say, Your close friends have set upon you and prevailed against you. Your feet have sunk into the mire. He's familiar with that, isn't he? And they have turned away again. So they shall surrender all your wives and children to the Chaldeans, and you shall not escape from their hand but shall be taken by the hand of the king of Babylon, and you shall cause this city to be burned with fire. So he gives them the word of the Lord, and what he says is, I'm afraid that the people have already gone into captivity, that they're going to have me killed. See, he's hearing other voices. Other things are coming up. He's got the word of the Lord. He's got it spoken to him. Jeremiah the prophet brought it to him, but he's doubting it. Verse 24, Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, Let no one know of these words, and you shall not die. Oh, now we've got a condition. Before he says, you shall not die. Now he says, don't tell anybody what you told me, and then I won't kill you. But the princes hear that I have talked with you, and they come to you and say to you, Declare to us now what you have said to the king, and also what the king said to you. Do not hide it from us, and we will not put you to death. Then you shall say to them, I presented my request before the king that he would not make me return to Jonathan's house to die there. Then all the princes came to Jeremiah and asked him. And he told them according to all these words that the king had commanded. So they stopped speaking with him for the conversation has, had not been heard. Then Jer- now Jeremiah remained in the court, the prison until the day that Jer- Jerusalem was taken. And he was there when Jerusalem was taken. Now, does Jeremiah lie? Well, does he tell what happened? No. See, sometimes, folks, we Christians get this idea that just because a thing is truth, it needs to be said. There is nothing in the Bible about a thing that is true needing to be said to all people. In fact, there's quite a bit to the opposite. Why does Jesus teach in parables? He, he comes and he tells you so that you guys won't hear the truth. That's my intention. I'm saying it this way so that you all don't hear the truth. That line from the movie, you all know it. You can't handle the truth. Right? They got it from the Bible. There are some people 
Maybe it's not that they can't handle the truth. It's that they do not deserve the truth. Just because somebody asks you for the truth does not mean you need to give it. You have no obligation by God, by the Word, in any way. None. Word of God says, don't cast your pearls before. Don't treat what is valuable or don't give what is valuable to someone who won't treat it as valuable. These princes have no need to know what he said. It was a private matter. He asked counsel. He gave it to them. It's none of their business. Don't feel that just because you know a truth that you must say it to everyone who asks. You don't need to say it at all. And you also don't need to say, well, I just can't tell you. You know, there's something there, but I just can't tell you. No, they don't even know that they don't even need to know that there's something there. This is what Jeremiah did. He told her, did they talk about that? They may have. Apparently they did because he said, tell them this and I'm not going to put you in there. Now look at the effect that this has on Jeremiah. Going back over here to chapter 20. This is the kind of things that he lived under. These are the kind of things that were going on. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 1. Now Pashur, the son of Immer, the priest who was also chief governor of the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Pashur struck Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which is by the house of the Lord. And it happened on the next day that Pashur brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then Jeremiah said to him, The Lord has not called your name Pashur, but Magor Mizabed. And I was going to write down all those different names and I didn't, I didn't bother going back for that. So you can go look that up later on. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. They shall fall by the sword of their enemies and your eyes shall see it. I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon and he shall carry them captive to Babylon and slay them with the sword. Moreover, I will deliver all the wealth of this city and all its produce and all its precious things, all the treasures of the kings of Judah. I will give into the hand of their enemies who will plunder them, seize them and carry them to Babylon. And you... Pashur, and all who dwell in your house shall go into captivity. You shall go to Babylon, and there you shall die, and be buried there, you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. O Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I, and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted, violence and plunder, because the word of the Lord has, was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, then I said, this is like Jeremiah talking, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not, for I heard many mocking fear on every side. Report, they say, and we will, we will report it. All my acquaintances watched for my stumbling, saying, Perhaps he can be induced. Then we will prevail against him, and we will take our refuge on him. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. Where does confusion come from? Envy and self-seeking. And see the mind and heart, and let me see your vengeance on them. For I have pleaded my cause before you. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered my life of the poor from the hand of evildoers. Well, apparently he thinks he's been delivered, huh? 
Cursed be the day in which I was born. Let that day not be blessed in which my mother bore me. Let the man be cursed who brought news to my father, saying, A male child has been born to you, making him very glad. And let that man be like the cities which the Lord overthrew and did not relent. Let him hear the cry in the morning and the shouting at noon, because he did not kill me from the womb, that my mother might have been, have been my grave, and her womb always enlarged with me. Why did I come forth from the womb to see labor and sorrow, that my days should be consumed with shame? Have you ever felt so poorly about your life that you wished you were never born? That you wished you hadn't survived birth? That you cursed the person who brought the news to your father? That a son was born? Have you ever been that low? Jeremiah was. And yet the word of the Lord that came to him, I have touched your mouth. My words are now in your mouth. He had that incredible experience. And now, he says, I got to a point where I didn't speak those words anymore. But holding them in became harder than putting them out. So he began to speak them again. But it seems he even despaired of even being born. If he was not born, if he would have died, would he have had that experience with the Lord at age 17? Would have had it. What he's saying is, I would have preferred it. As much as we got excited and we heard about that, his call, he says, I would have preferred never to have had it. That's how hard the ministry was for Jeremiah. But he continued to press on. And he continued to go. But as strong and as sure of a word as he had, he began to doubt the source of it himself. He began to doubt whether he should continue. And the same goes times for us. We begin to wonder, can I continue? Has God really called me? Has God really spoken to me? Has God really said anything to me at all? Because it's hard. And I face opposition from people. I face opposition everywhere I go. I'm discouraged. This is hard. Put in your outline, when the word of the Lord comes to you, tribulation will follow. No matter what the word is, when the word of God comes to you, tribulation will come. When the enemy sees the seed being sown, what's he do? Descends upon it to try and take it, to try and snatch it, to try and get it out of your heart, to get it out of you. Because as long as it's in you, you might work on it. But he says there, prepare yourself for it and arise, is what he told Jeremiah. When the word of the Lord comes to you, prepare yourself for it and arise. You must be sure. Check out the spirits. Test them. Once you determine it is from God, then you must go on and you must not let anything stop you. 
Nothing. Not discouragement. Not people. Not feeling that God didn't come through for you. There is nothing that should stop you from doing what God said. And Jeremiah, I'll tell you what, y'all sometimes just take some time and and just ask yourself, when was the last time you read through the book of Jeremiah? We're going through some on Wednesday nights in our first King series because there's a whole lot he's got to say with these last couple of kings. And he's got a whole lot to say about Zedekiah. I was looking over some of this. I don't know if we can cover all of Zedekiah in one week and get all that Jeremiah was saying to him. He's got a lot to say to him. So we'll look at the, the things that are going on. And Zedekiah is a complicated guy. He's, he's not like Jehoiakim, evil all the way through, and that's just what it is. And he's, uh, it's a little bit, little bit tougher with him. Well, we'll spend some time on that and begin to look at it. What is the word, though, that God has given you? And we told you this a while back, I remember. If God spoke you a word to change your situation, then know this, there's time to change it. Whatever God spoke to you about your situation, there's time to change it. Whatever God speaks to you, God speaks to you in the area of hope. He gives you hope for the future. Even here where he's pronouncing judgment upon the city. He says, yeah, go into captivity. You'll come out alive. And in 70 years, I'm going to bring you all back. And you're all going to come back here and you're going to have this. And someone else is going to pay for building all of the cities back up again. That would be Cyrus. God prophesied that. He told him. God is a God of hope. And he will speak some things to us. The problem is, is when God has spoken to us a word, we don't continually hold it. We don't sustain it. We don't keep it going. You've got to keep going whatever God has said. And we're not just talking about ministry. We're not just talking about uh, things in regard to the Word of God. We're talking about things in your very life. Things about your kids. God will speak you some things about your kids to help you with raising them, doing some things with them. He'll give you some insights on that. He'll help you with the, the friends, relatives you have. He'll speak some things for you about those. He'll help you with your physical body. He will tell you some things to do. Don't raise your hand, but some, some people here, you might be facing things that are just nagging things, just things that continue to go on. High blood pressure. Difficulty breathing. Uh, low energy. You might have some things in your body. And, and God wants to speak to you to help you to alter that, help you change it. What we want is I want to stand up in the front, have hands laid on me, and go on home and not have that problem anymore. And there are times that God has done things like that and has helped us, us out in those. But there's other times, folks, where he has directed you, stop eating at such and such places. I'm not going to mention ones we don't want to give anybody bad advertisers. <laughs> but, you know, there are some places that you eat their food, you're going to have less energy. There are some kinds of foods that if you eat them, you're going to have less energy. There are some kinds of foods that if you eat them, you'll have high blood pressure. I was talking to, to somebody. They said they were um, suffering from uh, high blood pressure. And the Lord told them to go out there and to run. I said, I didn't know that you'd start running. He says, yeah, yeah, I started running. He said, I'm just running a couple of miles. I said, well, has it helped? He said, oh, yeah, it has. It's come way down. 
I said, there you go. But you see, the thing thing was different between him and I. He says, says, Steve, I know you love to run. He says, I hate it. (laughs) Hate it. Emphasis on hate. I hate it. His words. Did not like it. But he did it. He stayed with it. I asked him, is it helping? Yeah. Yeah, it's really helping. God will will speak to some things to you. But when he speaks some things to you, you're going to get out there and you're going to begin to do them and you may not see the immediate results. And so we begin to say, is this God? This has been been hard to sustain. It's been hard. How many have ever had something God told you to do and it was hard to sustain it? To keep it going day in and day out. Keep going and doing that thing. Keep, this kind of food is good for your, for your heart. You've got to eat these things. And you go in there and, oh, we don't like to do it. We don't like to do it. I don't like that kind of food. To me, it's bland, people will say. I have a, I have a particular cereal I like. My, my granddaughter and I, we, we enjoyed some of it That's just last night. And everybody in the family looks at that and they say, Ew. Ew. And I crave it. So there's sometimes I'm, I'm out running and I, oh, I just need a bowl of that stuff. I cra- I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to go home. I'm going to pour a bowl, put some milk on that. You, ever, you, like, you like shredded wheat? I love shredded wheat. I like oatmeal. I like stuff. I mean, people look at this. It's bland. Bland. I said, no, this is great. This is great. I eat that. I feel my, I feel my body just going... Eating up all the things in there that are supposed to be. I think I can just feel it happening. <laughs> Other people look at that and say, oh, yuck. No good. No good. But God has got a plan. He's got a plan to help you with headaches. He's got a plan to help you with blood problems. He's got a plan to help you with high blood pressure. He will give you the plan and he will tell you what to do. And you will have a word from God on what to do. Now, will you sustain it? Will you stay with it if it doesn't seem credible to other people? Because other people will come along and they'll say some things to you. Now, I've showed you some of the saga that I had with the, the, the hip flexor thing that I did, whether I tore it, damaged it, whatever. It wasn't a pull. It was something a whole lot more than, than that. And um, it was difficult. It was uh, It was difficult. But I, I, and I, God never spoke to me a word about this, but it came up in my spirit. It was a knowing. Steve, you can keep running, but do not run anymore. This was an a, a, a edict I was given. Down in my, God did not speak this to me, but he told me, do not run any more than, or say, stay under was the word. Stay under seven miles per run. Now that's discouraging for me. That's not for you. It's discouraging for me. That's all. But every day I went out there, six miles, 6.3, 6.2, kept it under. There was one day I was out running with John, my running buddy. And we were running and we were running around things. And by the time I got to his house and we go on, we do the route. And he wanted to do an extra loop in there. And that was going to push me over the seven mile mark. And I said, John, I got I to duck out on you. I got to go this way. And head home. So he said, all right. So he went that way and he ran the, the rest of the route. And I went home. Because I knew 
do not go over this. Now that, that happened, it's about a year ago that I got that injury. It was in June, June the 23rd. I just looked it up uh, a few weeks ago just to see when that was. June the 23rd is the day that injury came on. I carried that, that God told me, all the way up until the end of February. And every time I would run, I still felt that hip flex. Every time, every single run, almost every mile on it, I felt that. I could feel that thing hurting, and it hurts. But God never said don't run. And if God gives you a plan on how to fix something, doesn't that also mean he wants you to fix it? Yeah. So I stayed with it. March of this year was the first time I felt that thing lift. And then I can go a little bit further. So I went out and one day I said, I, can, I think I can do this. And I went out on a 7.3 mile run. I can still show you on the calendar where it was where, when I went. And I came back and we did good. So I did two more 7.3-mile runs the rest of that week out of the, the days that I was running. And then the next day, I can go for that 8-miler. I know, I can go for that. And I went for that 8.3-mile run and did that one. And then it was 8.5. And then it was 8.9. And then it was 9.5. And so we've got our, our, our mileage up. I haven't worked back in. I haven't given, given the clearance yet. I, it's coming soon. I haven't been given the clearance yet to work my long run back in. I love a one good long run per week. I've already been talking with John. John, we've got to get that back in. And I know pretty soon the release for that's going to come and I'm going to be able to go out there and do it. But sustainability. God gave me the plan on what to do. And I did it for July, August, September, October, November, December, January, and February. And I stayed with the plan. I stayed with the things that he did. And finally, when that lift came off, I began to do some other things and to step in. You must sustain what God tells you to do. Even if it doesn't seem to be having the results that you think it should. You sustain it. You keep it going. Joseph was told some things by God. And how long did he sustain them? How long did he keep those things going? Something like 17 years. Abraham was told some things by God. How long did he have to sustain them? 25 years until his son was born? 25 years? Moses was told some things by God. How many years later did it happen? Decades. When you get a word from God, God spoke it, God meant it, And you do not have the right to let it go. When God has spoken a word to you, when discouragement comes and you begin to question whether you can sustain it, you begin to question whether it's powerful enough to fix your situation. You begin to wonder, is this going to have credibility with others? And you begin to doubt the authenticity of the thing. Don't do it. Hang on. What has God said to you. Going back to Adam and Eve in the garden. What did God say to them? You may eat from any tree in the garden except for the tree in the center. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat from it. All they had to do was sustain that. And they found out they couldn't sustain it. They could have, but they didn't. And they stopped 
sustaining what God said to do and what happened in their life. Now, we're going to be looking as we get on here in the, in the future the different ways that God speaks and what you've got to, to do to, to sustain all those things. There's a lot of different ways God speaks to you, and you've got to sustain all of them. And you can. What has God spoken to you about your body? What has God spoken to you about your mind? What has God spoken to you about your sleep at night? What has God spoken to you about your fears? What has God spoken to you about concerns you have at work? Whatever it is, when God has spoken to you and God has said it, what have you done with it? What have you done with it? I'll recommend this to you. You can do this all kinds of ways. <clears throat> I don't carry my phone with me when I'm here in church. Some of you do, and that's, that's fine if you do. I just don't. I have an office. I leave it over there in the office, and I just come over here without it. But generally, I have my phone with me. You see me, I have, I have my phone. I have an app on my phone, a lot of apps, but we're, we're a very useful one. If you do not have this app on your phone, you should put this app on your phone. This is a fantastic app. The app is called Evernote. How many of you have ever heard of or have Evernote on your phone? How many do not know what Evernote is and do not have it on your phone? All right. All have, your job is this afternoon, go out there and do some research on Evernote. I want you to put that on your, on your phone, put it on something. What it is, it's a note-taking app. And when you put a note into Evernote, it immediately backs it up on the web, which you can access from your computer, your tablet, any place else. Any way that you want, it's there for you to get so when I'm going on down the road and I get something from God, a word or something, I can type it into there. I can speak it into there. You do not have to type. You can speak it. How many of you ever, I mean, Facebook is good for a number of things. One of the things it's, it's good for is uh, I have different ministers who put things up. And have you ever seen a minister push something up on Facebook and you liked it? Yeah, all right. You know what you've got to do with that now? Hold your finger on the quote from the minister or whatever quote it is that you blessed you with in Facebook app. Hold your finger on that. I don't know if you know that you can do this. This is a new feature in Facebook. Hasn't been in there before. It's now in there on your phone. You can get it. I used to have to do this another way. Hold your finger on that quote for a few seconds and it will say copy text. And it will copy all of the text in that Facebook quote. And then you're just going over to Evernote and open it up and hit paste. And it's all right there. That's pretty slick, isn't it? You can do it that, that, that easy. You can open up Evernote and you can say record and you can just speak into your phone and it will record whatever it is that God said. Because one of the things you've got to make sure you do is do not forget what God said. So get it down. Write it down. How many of you in the past, God has spoken to you something, I'm going to remember that and forgot it. Boy, we all, that was quick. We got a whole lot of... <laughs> Response to that. How much better would your life be if you would remember? Now, do we have people here who do not have phones or that ability to do what I just told you to do? Anybody here does not have that ability to do what I just told you to do? I thought Miss Sharon's hand was going to come up because she has one of those. Is that your hand up? All right. That's all right if your hand is up. Anybody know what this is? You can go over... To a place called, you may not have heard this place, but they're, they're all over the place. It's called Staples. Anybody ever heard of Staples? 
All right, if you don't have a Staples, there's also an Office Max. They also have them. This is, if you go into a particular section of it, this is something called, this is a real throwback on, on things. It's um, called Moleskin. And they make these little tiny books. And you know what's inside? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I like these because the, the shorts, and I buy shorts that have pockets for these things. Because this goes in my shorts that I wear or my pants that I'm wearing in the shop. Not when I'm running. This does not go with me when I'm running. What kind of person do you think I am carrying a thing like this when I'm running? Get all sweaty and wet and it'd be awful. You've got to carry a pen. and I'm, on, I'm having fun with it. It goes right in that pocket. And if I'm working around in the shop, if I'm doing something and God speaks something to me, I can pull it out, I can open it up, and I can write the thing down. All I need to do is get it down. Because what happens, folks, is that God has spoken some things to us to change and to alter our life. And we have forgotten them. You can't sustain what you don't remember. And sustaining what God has said to you is so huge. It's so important. Because discouragement from people, from things, from situations, it's coming. It's already come to you. You've already had it. You already know it comes. It's coming again. And then it's going to come again. And then it's going to come again. And then it's going to come again. How many times was Jeremiah put in prison that we read? We did not read the entire book. It may have felt like it. But we did not read the entire book. There's a whole lot more in there. Jeremiah being beaten. Jeremiah being threatened. Jeremiah being put in prison. People wanted him to die. A whole lot of that going on. But God spoke a word to him. How many times do you think it was that he hung on to that word? God, you said, I saw you do it. You touched my mouth. You put your words in my mouth. No matter how hard it is, I need to speak them. No matter that no one is repenting, I need to speak them. I need to say what you're saying. It's important. I'll tell you what, it's important. Do what God has said to do. Hear the words that he has spoken to you and understand this, he didn't change his mind. He didn't change his mind. He didn't change his mind with Abraham. He didn't change his mind with Joseph. He didn't change his mind with Paul. He's not changing his mind with you. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. Before you were even formed in the womb, God had established your call and your purpose and how he was going to bring you there. And along the way, he's even concerned about your body. He's even concerned about the things that you're concerned about. And he will give you a plan on how to fix them. Because the less mindful you are of your body, the more mindful you can be of him. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. This morning, we're going to enjoy communion together and remember what it is that he did for us. For the day that he was betrayed, 
when he was going to be turned over to the priest, those who sought his life. He brought his disciples into the upper room. to enjoy the, the Lord's Supper, as we call it. This is where he's going to teach them about the new covenant, about what was to come. The Word of God tells us that on the night that he was to be betrayed, on that night, he gathered his disciples at the table. And before dinner even started, he said, taking the bread and breaking it, he said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. This represents my body, which is broken for you. On his body was put our sicknesses, our diseases, our pains. They were put on him so that we would not bear them anymore. the end of supper he brought out the wine he said this represents the blood of the new covenant the old covenant blood covered up sin and the new covenant his blood washes it away in the old testament under the old covenant we were waiting for redemption looking forward to Messiah coming in the new covenant we have been bought the price has been paid and we have been redeemed. The work that Jesus did was complete for your body and for your spirit that you would be made whole. He knew you're not made whole just with your spirit but also with your body. God is that concerned about your body that he did that. Don't ever think that you can bear, I'll just bear this in my body. This is okay. I'm just so thankful that I'm forgiven. Same Jesus Christ who was sent to the cross gave his blood and his body for you. Don't reject any part. Let's eat the bread together and remember the body of Jesus Christ. take the cup together and remember the blood of Jesus Christ shed for us. Glory to God. Father, I thank you for such a great love that you have for us that you would give up your only son to die for us. Thank you, Father, that you are so loving toward us Not only did you send your son, but you speak to us. And the words that you have spoken to us, we want to honor highly. Treat them with the respect they deserve. And know that you will bring about those things that you have said. I give you the praise and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. You have some praise reports?
you know, Ethel has been um, <coughs> pseudo-retired <laughs> for a couple of years now, and um, she gave this testimony today. She says, on Tuesday, July the 5th, I'm returning to the workforce, and I will be working in the district office of Senator Anthony Williams. So congratulate her about returning to, to her job. Um, Alyssa says, I got a text Thursday night um, that w one of the kids I watched had a fever and both kids would be staying home. I immediately got a message from the other family I only watch occasionally um, asking if I would have availability. Uh, God worked it out that I didn't lose any income and only had three kids still <laughs> instead of what would have been five <laughs> to, to take care of. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> Daryl says, God placed someone in my path this week that was uh, speaking words of discouragement and destruction over their lives. I was able to give them the godly correction to remedy the situation that they faced. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Any other praise reports? Nothing for this week? No. Um, I did have an announcement. Can I make an announcement now? Okay. Announcements. Um, our ladies, our ladies' breakfast for this year has not been happening, as you all have known. Um, God's been doing some rearranging on that, and uh, what we're going to be doing is the 24th of this month. It's a Saturday. It's in, I think, two Saturdays from now. Actually, three Saturdays from now. We are going to be having a breakfast, but it's going to be a prayer breakfast. So come prepared to pray for your families. Now, this is not... Um, We've been talking about the different prayer groups that we're having, different prayer meetings that we're having, and each one is strategically planned. Each one has a special purpose. The purpose of our ladies' prayer breakfast is to pray specifically for the needs of the ladies here in the church and their families. Okay, so that's what that prayer breakfast is for. So please come, being, you know, bring your prayer requests, bring your um, uh, friends if you want to, but um, just come prepared to pray. I'm going to start at 10 o'clock like we normally do, but at 10.30... I know we sometimes have stragglers that come in, but at 10.30, we're going to start praying so that we can be done by 11.30. Okay? That way we're, we're not post, you know, prolonging it. But by 10.30, we're going to start praying. Um, if you can't be here and you would like us to pray for something, please get it into me. That's fine. Um, just either email me or uh, bring it to pastor somehow. But we're going to start that. And that will be a monthly prayer meeting. Okay, and the next Friday night prayer, we're going to announce that again. Um, it will be sometime in August. I've been having people ask about that, but it will be in August, okay? <laughs> All right. Do you all stand up with me again? It is good to see our friends Dave and Pam here this, this morning. They're over there in the back. Pam, of course, has been here for a while, went on down to Rama. Um, they got married. They are now having a church in, oh, I forget the state now. Missouri. Yeah, here it's uh, one of the big cities out there in Missouri, right? Uh -huh. There we go. <laughs> wow, is that something? And uh, Keith would give me some of the testimony earlier, all the healings that are going on just from the congregation praying. Church right now is about 140, 
um, uh, you know, it's, it's been miraculous. Uh, God showed up. Uh, he spoke. God showed up. And we, we, we had like, um, uh, we did a healing revival. In fact, this message we'll talk afterwards. But uh, we had, uh, was it, 55 healings at a healing revival service we did uh, for a week. It's been very interesting in such a strange place. Um, if it rains too hard, um, yeah, you can't get to the church the, uh, from the interstate so it, it gets flooded. The roads get flooded out. The town is still on dial-up internet, so we can't stream. We can't do anything. It's really interesting right now. We're having some it's great fun. It's a miracle. So you're not in Missouri. You're in a third-world country. And, oh, I got you. <laughs> you took the yes. Yeah. Well, the Fourth of July ended up working out good for both countries. <laughs> it surely did. We have been a great partnership, uh, two nations together, and the many different things we have undertaken, including World War One and World War Two, which stopped a lot of things from the world. But thanks so much for sharing. Sharing those things. So your population in town doubles when you have church service. Town council is even asking questions. Okay, what's happening at this church? Because it only has a part-time post office and the church. Uh, everything else is just uh, falling down houses or a few that have now been renovated. And we're seeing restoration in the houses because some of our people are just being called to move there. Hmm. And so it's really... Uh, I, I know it's for me as a Brit, it's very interesting to watch this because um, for us as a, a British looking at America, we always see prosperity mm-hmm. outside in. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's just we we were, they, we were debt free after six years. We turned up um, the, the annual income was thirteen thousand. Mm-hmm. That's why our, our you know we were given a hundred dollars a week. That's a you know. It's a three-story building, uh, school with a gymnasium, mm-hmm. no heat and air. Uh, nine years ago, um, and it's just revived. Um, uh, we've got heat and air, kids' church. I mean, it's it's really interesting. It's such a rural community that's Roman Catholic mm-hmm. and very Episcopalian Presbyterian. Um, so we started school and ministry two years ago because we had problems with leaders. I mean, no one wants to get sent to Volcow. I mean, it's just. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Operating on a septic system, so you're, you know, the mire, the mud, you know. I mean, when it's when it when it's flooded, the septic systems get filled. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just I can't believe in America this place is still like this, but that's because of my European look at it. Huh. And of course, this wonderful woman was on. She was on your worship team, I think, wasn't she? For a little while. She was here. Yeah. So, um, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's neat. Is there any way for people to stay in touch with the church? Do you have a website up there? Do you do any podcasts? Are you able to eventually? Can you share that stuff with me? And then, because we can say it to everybody here, and most of them will be, forget it by the time they get to a place they can write it down. So if we can get that, what we'll do is we'll put it up on the Facebook account, because I'm sure everyone here has a Facebook account by now, right? 
we're always hitting them on having the, the Facebook accounts and, and things like that. But most people do. So we'll put it up on that. And if, for those folks who don't have one who have been disobedient all this time, <laughs> we will find another way to uh, get that information there for you. And we'll e- either print it out and have it out on the table or something like that. But if yeah, we'll get that from you afterwards and we'll just post it up on there. And then if you want to check out the podcast and see what's going on in the services there. And uh, I'd say, Absolutely. It's like here, I, I think this is Steve, this is Pastor Steve this morning, was it's so refreshing to hear the word being taught mm-hmm. and, uh, and spirit-led. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, the message you gave was a warning, because the Lord's been speaking to me about persecutions coming um, for us mm-hmm. because of the message the Lord's given us and, mm-hmm. and healing and, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But, you're, you, you know, you're, I hope you value... <laughs> Twenty-six years. Twenty-six years, and um, and it's 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 it is a, a commitment, and I just want to encourage. And if you, I know you will know them, but bless them, they pray do. for they them. They do. Um, yeah. Because until you become a pastor, you don't know the pressure, and there is an amazing amount of. I know you yeah. guys know that pressure, but value. I'm gonna say value, honor your pastors. I know sometimes they'll be stepping all over your toes. Uh, but Jesus can heal you. Yeah. And, uh, You've done that a few and, times yourself, okay. right? <laughs> so I just, um, can we stretch for it? Can we? Uh, are you okay if I? Do? I'm fine. Would you, yeah. Would you, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, and uh, is there some elders? Do you have elders? Uh, some of them are next door. But uh, okay. Naz, Sharon, Jolly, let's pray. Mercy. Can we pray for them? Do, do you pray in the Holy Ghost too? Can we do a Holy Ghost <laughs> moment. Do you still do that? Oh, we do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's stretch our hands towards your, your pastors and uh, hallelujah, 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 glory to God, thank hallelujah. You, Father, we thank you for the commitment uh, of Pastor Steve Connie, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we ask for your presence to fall mighty upon them afresh, hallelujah, upon this whole church, Lord, hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. Let's just pray in the Holy Ghost and invite His presence even stronger. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray for Steve right now, Pastor Steve, Lord, and Connie, for the words that were spoken over them. Even as far back as Bible school, the words you have spoken, Father, over them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That you would bring to remembrance the promises that you've given them. Hallelujah. And through the, any per, through, huh, through the persecution and, and, and struggles of, of pastor and father, we thank you that they have sustained. They have stayed the course. And Lord, we ask you to strengthen them spiritually, physically, and emotionally, financially, in every area of their lives, Father. Hallelujah. And we also ask you to protect their families, Father, and everything you've given them to steward. And they will fulfill the plan that you have for them. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 
Father, we just pray for this congregation, Lord. We pray yes. for each person here, Lord. That when the persecution comes, Father, when they stand on the word of God, when 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 the pro proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ with signs, wonders, and miracles following, when the word of God is taught in the fullness. Father, that this congregation would hold together in unity and stand by their pastors and will hold their hands up and help them fulfill the plan that is in their lives as these pastors help, help the people fulfill their callings. Lord, they would stay together as a unit. They would stay together as a body and they would stay together in unity. And Father, that they would honor the man and woman of God, they have sent to Warrington. In Jesus Christ's name, Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Thank you for that. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. All right. Well, we're going to put some of his stuff up there on Facebook. If you want to go out there and check out some, some podcasts, and I'm always looking for good podcasts out there, I'll tell you. It's just I'm not sure you, it's as good as yours. <laughs> I'm sure that it is. It's, a lot of times you pull up a podcast and there's just no word in it. And yes, it's it discouraging that. It's just like, come on. Yeah. Give us the word. And My uh, favorite one, if you want to, is Jesus was a Pentecostal. That's a podcast? Or that's yeah. A that's a message I did a long time ago. Oh, that's, that's actually one of yours? Okay. So we can Jesus go look it up. Jesus was a Pentecostal. It's one of my favorites the Holy Ghost gave me. And it was How long ago was it? Baptist. It's still up there. It'll step there. It was about a year ago. Okay, so we go back about a year and we it's, can find it in there? Yeah, we don't put everything up, you know. All right. You know, so. Jesus was, but you can imagine the Baptists getting carried away with that one. Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they would love that one. Yes, yes, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure, he's in your group. <laughs> David, thank you. All right, come. Oh, she's right behind. Come on over here. Let's pray over them too. Absolutely, Father, we just thank you. I thank you, Father, for the anointing that you have put on them. I thank you, Father, for the call that is there. And I thank you, Father, for all the things that you have said to them as they prayed to you and as they sought after you for this, this place and what you would do. The Father, you have given them the purpose. You have given them the plan. And that, Father, you have given them the inspiration on the inside. I thank you that you give them the words to speak, to cast that inspiration out to all those that are around them. I thank you, Father, that you will continue to use inspiration on the inside for every time they preach, every time they counsel, every time they open their mouth. The Father, words that you put in will come out oh lord jesus i thank you for the healing power that is in their life i thank you father for the gifts of the spirit that are being made more and more evident and i thank you father that the people that are there are growing in their ability to receive and to draw off the gift that you have placed there with them and that you're not just growing the congregation father you're growing them up as well as you grow us all up Oh, Father, we just want to grow in the things of God to know more about you, to understand more about you. And thank you, Father, for all that you're doing with them right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. All right. Pam and Dave, don't forget to be praying for them. Last time you guys were here, we missed seeing you. And um, so this, uh, um, Keith was telling me, he says, was it nine years ago? Was it that long ago? Wow. Oh, that one, we, we did, I think the last time we saw them, we had uh, breakfast at Otto's. 